This is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundance Success Series. Our primetime mastermind that promotes empowered focus, decisive action, and inspired outcome. Our spotlight is on health and fitness. I am so jazzed up it's the holiday for going to all these wonderful festivities, hanging out with family and friends throughout the holiday. And, of course, we're going to have a case of the munchies. You know, we're going to be munching through the holidays and having a wonderful time. But we want to look great through the holidays, but most importantly, great going into the new year 2013. So, my guest is anti-aging expert. Heather Hassenblas, you've seen her work featured in People Magazine, Shape, Allure, O Magazine, as well as many others. And we talk about saffron, saffron in our diet, and how that can make a difference in our help with our weight. To reach Heather, go to our website, HassenblasHeather.com. Fantastic interview. Again, happy holidays. Dr. Heather, welcome back. Thank you for having me again. Wonderful. I remember in our last segment we talked about beauty from within. And uh, well, it's the holiday season and everybody's in a festive partying mood. And uh, with that mood comes wonderfully scrumptious food. <laughs> and um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, our tendencies this time of year to overindulge and gain those pounds. What do you have to say about that? You know what we do? We do gain uh, we do gain some weight over the holidays. It tends not to be as bad as most people think. You, the average person puts on about one pound over the holiday season, which may not sound like too much, but what people need to be aware of is most people never take off that pound. So over the course of many holiday seasons, you know, ten years later, you've actually put on put on ten pounds. So that one pound might not seem like a lot, but it's something that we really need to be aware of over the holiday season. I've been reading a lot about uh, raspberry ketones and saffron and these, um, well, newer uh, potions that are supposed to help us. Can you tell us about saffron? What is that? Where did it come from and why are we hearing about it? You know what? Saffron has been around for, for thousands of years and most people are familiar with it as a spice that they use in their food, really an exotic spice. and It's actually one of the world's most expensive Spices just by how it's actually, you know, cultivated. And recently, researchers have taken a look at some of the medicinal effects that saffron actually has, taking it in a supplement form, so a much higher dose than what you get from just sprinkling, you know, the spice on your on your food. And really interestingly, a clinical trial came out showing that women who took saffron over the course of over the course of eight weeks lost a significant amount of weight compared to people in the control group. And the main reason why is it seemed to be tackling kind of that emotional eating and people's desire to snack. And it was reducing these women's need and desire to snack, and they did not change their diet. They did not change their physical activity. The only thing that they did do was take the Saturial Saffron, and they lost a significant amount of weight. So it's really exciting to see, you know, these all-natural supplements that are clinically proven to kind of support and help people on their weight management journey. These are wonderful aids, and I know that uh, you deal a lot in the physiology of health and physical fitness. And I was wondering also um, the exercise, the importance of that, because I know we, you know, have emotional eating and, and sentimental eating over the holiday. You know, people have their wonderful dishes and family traditions. 
But I wanted to also get into the importance of that exercise. What have you seen over the years in terms of our tendencies to exercise more or less? You know, we're, we're definitely exercising exercising less. And, you know, that coupled with eating too many high-calorie, dense foods, and we just sit too much, has really led in part to this obesity epidemic. So we just need to move more. Most people, if you, you if you ask them, is exercise good for you? They'll say yes, but most of us just don't do it. And people will give the excuses, you know, I don't have time, I'm too busy, I don't like it. And I, you know, what I say to people, if you don't like going to the gym, then don't go. Just do something that you like and try to move more or just try to not sit as much during the day. I tell people, you know what, when you're talking on the phone, instead of sitting down, Stand up when you're when you're talking on the phone. Like doing these little changes throughout the course of the day can really really add up. Now, in your studies, because I know you um, also uh, were doing and maybe are continuing with the National Institutes of Health. I have had yes, I've had a few um, a few of my grants that um, have been funded through the National Institutes of Health, looking at some of the psychological effects of physical activity. Wonderful. What have you found? You know, I've found that. Most people don't don't exercise, and what I'm interested in is trying to understand, you know, the why and what the motivation is and how to get people through kind of studying what their intentions are to exercise to try to get them to exercise more. So trying to, to really apply these different kind of theoretical models to try to explain and predict when people will exercise and then try to develop interventions really based on people's kind of specific motivational underpinnings to hopefully get them to exercise exercise more. In terms of exercising, do you think that many of the job programs that have um, the fitness equipment and everything there for the employees, do you think that's really a good thing? Well, I think it helps. You know, every little bit helps. A lot of people will say, you know, I don't exercise because I don't have the time or it's not convenient. And if you put it right in the workplace for people, then it all of a sudden does become very convenient for people because it's right there. And I know that certain companies, for example, will give extended lunch hours or free gym memberships, trying to make it much more feasible and convenient for people to exercise. Okay. Now, I remember we we got into a touch of the lifespan and exercise, and they're finding out that exercise actually can increase lifespan to a degree. Now, how far in the studies are we with that? You know, the studies are continually showing that people who are regularly physically active tend to live about two to three years longer than people that are sedentary. But I think the most important message from that is not only are these people living longer, but their quality of life is also is also better. They're less likely to have what we call these diseases, diseases of aging. They're more likely to be in a better mood, less likely to, you know, have anxiety and stress and, and depression. So it's really the kind of this overall package that you see really improving people's overall life, quality of life. Do you think that it would be a great thing to be included in a health maintenance program or insurance? You know what, I, I think it's really innovative and I really do like the idea of doing something like giving people, you know, extra extra types of incentives and boosts so that they will be motivated and find it easier to to engage in physical activity. And I tell people, you know what, it doesn't have to be expensive to exercise. You do not need to join a gym. You know, just get a pair of walking shoes or running shoes 
and, and off you go. Walking is a great way for people to get physical activity. Very inexpensive. We can all do it, or most of us, most of us can do it. So there's a lot of things that we can, we can do, and people I think just need to be aware, you know, taking the, the stairs instead of the elevator, you know, standing instead of sitting during the day, you know, getting up from your desk, if you have a desk job, getting up from your desk like every hour and maybe walking, you know, to the water station or just walk around, um, walk around the office for a couple minutes. It might not sound like very much, but over the course of the day and weeks and months, it really adds up to a lot of calorie burn and then weight loss. Getting into the exercise, I know there are people who have chronic illnesses, fatigue, etc. And I've been reading studies on how exercise can even benefit people with mild to moderate physical impairments. Do you know anything of this? You know what, there's a lot of research that has taken a look at a whole host of different types of um, people who have different types of different types of diseases and what we're continually finding is that you know, doing physical activity and doing what you can, whether you're healthy or, you know, may have some type of health condition definitely helps, helps with you. I was just reading some studies on women who had fibromyalgia, which is a very, you know, a disorder related to being very painful. And these women, when they exercised, were actually reporting that they had more energy that they could tolerate the pain better. So we're seeing a lot of kind of these natural effects that are helping with these different diseases that people may have by engaging in physical activity. Pregnancy. I was reading that you had uh, been studying on uh, physiological effects of exercise and pregnancy, motherhood. Um, How far into pregnancy can women safely exercise, or is it the type of exercise that would be most beneficial? You know what, that's a great question. I think it's kind of a combination of both. I always recommend, you know, for pregnant women, make sure you just check with your health care provider. And we do now know that if women have been exercising before they got pregnant, they can typically keep up with that, whatever they were doing all the way throughout their throughout their pregnancy. You know, with some, you know, taking into account that you're not going to, you know, in your third trimester you shouldn't be you know, downhill skiing and doing these types of activities that may potentially cause you to fall or cause, cause harm. But women during their, their pregnancy can continue to continue to exercise even at a what we classify as a vigorous intensity level. So it's really important, I think, for women. There's so many health benefits not only for themselves but also for for their unborn unborn baby to keep them moving whatever they can do, whatever they feel comfortable with throughout their pregnancy. Wonderful. Now we had started the hour talking about Satriel. Yes, the the hunger caps and the hunger chews, the Satriel saffron hunger caps and hunger chews. The Satriel is the, the trade name, and it's the most scientifically studied form form of saffron that we use in our rebody hunger caps and hunger chews. And it's important for people to know that saffron. Um, you know, you can get it in many different forms, and it's um, it's really important that you look for ingredients that are clinically tested. And the Satorial that you find in the Rebody Hunger Caps and Hunger Chews has been clinically tested to help people kind of control their snacking, resulting in weight loss. Do these come in varieties, or how do we find them? You know what? They do come in two forms. They come in a capsule, and they also come in a, in a chew. And the chew, if you you can think of it, it almost looks and and tastes like an orange, 
you know, um, Starburst. It's really sweet, tastes great, and people who like to snack love this because they'll keep it, you know, in their office desk or in the purse or they keep it with them. So let's say points during the day when they know they have this need to snack, they can just grab one of the chews, chew it, it's sweet, and it kind of controls, you know, controls their hunger and their snacking. So it's a it's a great option for people. And what the people should be taking is two a day. And you typically take it during periods during the day where you know you might have a need or desire to snack, or let's say you're going out to a, to a holiday function. You might want to take one before so that you're kind of controlling your urge and your desire to snack while you're at these holiday functions where there's so many delicious foods available. In terms of this, I wanted to get back to the whole saffron thing. I did not know it was, I didn't know it was expensive. Are you familiar enough with that? You know what? I personally don't use saffron in my in my cooking, and the main reason why is I have three young boys, and they don't like any. They really they're kind of plain eaters, and they don't really like <laughs> the, the spice. But I tell people, you know what? Yeah, put a little bit on certain types of foods that you like, but remember to actually get the clinical dose that you see in the clinical trial that I'd mentioned. You'd have to put so much saffron on your food that it just it wouldn't it really wouldn't be edible anymore. Mm-hmm. So. If you really want to get that clinical dose, then you would need to to go and look at, you know, the hunger caps or the hunger chews. But adding a little bit definitely to certain meals can definitely help a little bit. I wanted to ask you during our last interview about body image and exercise, but also about the psychology of that. We have a um, culture that really tells you now that you have to be a particular size, a particular weight, a particular this. And then we have the other part of science that says, well, that might not be good for everyone. Can you speak to that? Because our culture is so physically, uh, I guess, aware and, and it, it, it focuses on youth. There's nothing wrong with looking good, but uh, where do we draw the line? You know what? It's it's a great question. It's a tough question to to answer. I mean, if you look at... You know, the models that you see on the magazine covers or in magazines or, you know, the um, movie stars that you see on TV, they really tend to be um, thin, lean, you know, fit. And most people really just don't fit that fit that type of ideal. And what I tell people is, you know what, you, you can be aware of it, but don't internalize those images as, as what you actually need to look at. You want to be healthy. And a, you know, a healthy weight would be, would be a great goal, but to achieve, you know, these ultra lean types of physiques is really not, not healthy. You want to make sure that you're in what we call a healthy body mass index range and what we classify as a normal BMI, which is based on your height and your weight is between 18.5 or, yeah, 18.5 to 25. And that's kind of that normal range. And that's what I tell people. Try to get in that range. That's the healthy range that you want to be, be at. There can be people who exercise in excess, and I um, I don't know anybody like that, but I've heard and I've actually seen, you know, a special on people who just, you know, they exercise themselves to the point of exhaustion. What is that about? You know, what it's called, what we call it is exercise addiction or, or exercise dependence. And there are people that do exercise too much, just like anything, whether it's, you know, gambling or shopping or, you know, the computer. We can become addicted to these things, and one of these things that we can, can become addicted to is is exercise. And these people are exercising excessively, two, three, four hours a day. And one of the telltale signs that someone is is exercise dependent 
is if they're giving up, you know, social obligations. So they're not going out with their friends or doing family things or they're giving up work. So they're working less so that they can try to fit their, fit their exercise in during the day. And it affects about, you know, about one to three percent of people who are regularly physically active. Hmm. Is there, um, is it a mental health issue or is it a, um, I don't know. What would that go under? I mean, it's a mind. Is it how how does that happen? You know what? It's a great question, and it you know it's more of a, a psychological issue. It's a psychological kind of compulsion to exercise because you can have, for example, elite athletes who train you know several hours a day, and they would not necessarily be classified as exercise dependent. It really comes down to what the motivation is. And a telltale sign if somebody may be exercise dependent is what we call withdrawal symptoms. So if for whatever reason they're unable to exercise, Mm -hmm. then they'll probably experience more stress, more anxiety, um, more kind of like jitters, you know, less able to to focus and concentrate. So that's kind of the telltale sign if somebody may be dependent upon exercise. What's next for Dr. Heather? We're going into a wonderful 2013, and uh, you're one of our most popular folks talking about health and fitness. So what do you have? Are you, will you be speaking anywhere? Any books? You know what? Actually, I'm working on um, a book right now, which should be coming out in um, 2013, and it's a psychology of physical activity book that I have been that I've been working on and then I'm also going to be working on another another book just you know trying to help people giving easy types of tips to get people to understand you know how you can kind of squeeze and sneak and fit physical activity into your day. Now you can get the Hunger Chews and the Slim on the rebody.com website. You know what that's correct. You can also get it at Vitamin Shop, Vitamin World, you know, G, um, GNC, it's sold online, QVC, so there's many, many different places that people can go to, to actually get, actually get it. Wonderful, and we can reach you on your website. What is that? It's housewithheather.com, and people can also email me, um, and I really enjoy talking to people about you know, the health benefits of physical activity and healthy, you know, healthy ways to supplement, whether it's, you know, through the Rebody Hunger Caps or Hunger Chews or the Saf Slim and just healthy aging overall. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being back with us here. Wish you a blessed 2013. And I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. You know, thank you. And same to you. Have a wonderful holiday. Thank you.